your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Did you hear what she said? She said only, only he could part the waters, but you got to walk through them. Amen. Only he can bring water from a rock, but you got to drink it. Amen. That's a big deal, man. I don't know if you, we just sang some crazy stuff. I mean, so far, y'all just said, I surrender everything. My whole life is yours. I surrender it all. And then you guys said, you know what? Lead me. I'm no longer in charge. You lead me. Let me go where you want to go. Let me do what you want to do. And in that, your Holy Spirit is going to break out. You just said that. Amen? Amen. We could go home. See you later. Take it easy. That's awesome. You guys nailed it. Praise the Lord. That's the requirements. My question for you is, did you mean it? Man, or was there a little bouncing ball you were supposed to follow on the words, you know? Dun, 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 spirit, break. Was that what you were supposed to do? Oh, man, this is a life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, so this was going to be crazy today, man. This is hardcore. So I don't know. You picked a great day or the worst day to come, because <laughs> this is going to be challenging. All right, I'm just going to get right on in this. I'm going to read the scriptures. We're in the book of Luke, all right, and we're in Luke chapter 9. We're at the very end of chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. I'm just going to read it, so I need you all, man, if I could walk around up here with this thing going all crazy and stuff like that, you could stand up with me. Come on, let's do it. Stand up with me, please, all right? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you the praise, Lord God. We give you the honor and we give you the glory, Lord God, for your word. And we pray, Lord God, that we can just, we just sang these songs, man, and they sounded real good. They felt real good. But Lord God, what does it look like to own, own this, man, to just to be this, to do this, Lord God? What does it look like? So guide us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Read along. Check this out. Here we go. All right, I'll put the words up here or the, the verses up here or if you have your app or your Bible open. All right, I read out of the ESV. And so, um, you know, it might be a little bit different than some of your uh, uh, translations or unless you're reading the ESV, that's what's going to be up there, English Standard Version. So anyways, here it goes like this. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. I'm just going to read this through, man, and then we're going to get a little crazy. All right, and so um, 57, verse 57. As they were going along the road... Someone said to him, someone, someone in the crowd, there's a big crowd following Jesus, his disciples are there, all right, and as they're going along the road, somebody just spouts off, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, check it out, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but son of man, I got nowhere to lay his head. What do you think of that? To another, then Jesus looks into the crowd and says to one guy, hey, follow me. But he said, Lord, good, good beginning, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him something kind of crazy, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Kind of crazy. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sounds like it's going to get reckless in here, so let's just pray again. Father, we give you the praise and we give you the glory. And we just pray in the name of Christ Jesus, Lord God, that you would guide us 
and help us just, just, just be yours for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with them babies. You hear me? Hey, ain't nothing wrong with them babies. All right? Babies be babies. They're good. Praise the Lord. I'm a grandpa. I got babies all the time, man, and I can still talk. You know what I mean? So praise the Lord. All right, so here we go, man. All right, it's going to get a little crazy. So what do you think of this? All right, so I got a few questions that might uh, be maybe a, maybe a bit challenging. Um, you know, when at the first you're going to look at it and you say, all right. You know what I mean? So um, I'll put the questions up here so you can look at them because I think they're very important questions. When you committed your life to Christ, what did you actually commit to? What did you actually sign up for? Where did you, where, where did you, you know, what did, what did you consider to be the cost? You know what I mean? What, what did you actually commit to? And some of you here, man, you know, I know have not completely committed your life to Christ, and you're like, okay, I'm exempt from this question. No, you're not, because you're here. So now what? No, too bad. You got to hear all this, all right? No, but what's really cool is if you're not, if you don't know Jesus and you have not committed your life to Christ, man, this is a great, this is a really, a really great time for you to actually consider what this is about. Because I think we here in many, and basically in the West, in our churches and the structures of our churches, make it easy to not really commit. And I really want to challenge that over the next three weeks and hopefully over the next rest of my life. So praise the Lord. Anyways, um, so when you committed your life to Christ, what did you actually commit to? Maybe a couple of Sundays a month? That was your commitment? All right, think about it. You know what I mean? What, what did we really commit to? You know, maybe, uh, you know, to quit some stuff. You know, I got some stuff I really need to quit, so I'm going to quit that stuff. Or maybe it's to be a better person. Maybe I committed, I'm committing to be a better person. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of those things aren't really, really bad, but when you're committing your life to Christ, all right, what did you actually commit to? Did you actually commit to a life that is no longer your life? Think about it. Because I think that's, that might be what's required. Let me ask you this. Who did you commit to? And it sounds like a weird question because when you commit your life to Christ, who did you commit to? Think about it, though. Because I've seen a lot of people, when they committed their life to Christ, it wasn't really commitment to Christ. It was actually commitment to their, their married partner or, or their boyfriend or their girlfriend. Or they came in on the buddy system, hey, man, let's do this together kind of thing. Or maybe it was in the mirror. They said, you know what? You're going to do this, all right? And it's a, it's a commitment to self to follow Christ. And, it's, and, and I think it, all that falls short, man. I mean, so who did you commit to? Did you actually commit to Jesus Christ who died, who rose again from the grave and is Lord of everything? Is that who you committed to? And if you say, yeah, well, think about that. Because what does that commitment demand of you? What does it demand of your life? What does a commitment completely to Christ demand of your life? Like, like maybe, maybe uh, an hour and 20 minutes a week? You know what I mean? Uh, it's what we try to shoot for here in this service. Or maybe it's a commitment to be a nicer person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, some of you really needed to commit to that. I know I did 32 years ago. I was not a nice person, and I needed to be a nicer person. Not really anything really wrong with that. But when committing your life to Christ, what does it actually demand of you? Does it actually demand everything that is you? Think about that. 
So, so like, wait, 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 when you committed your life to Christ, what did you actually commit to? Did you commit to a life that is no longer your life? Who did you commit to? Did you commit to the son of the living God? Did you commit to, to our great God and King Jesus Christ who died and rose again, all right, to save every one of us from our sin? And, when, and, then, and then what does that commitment demand? And you demand everything of who you are? Because these are the right answers. These are actually questions where there is a right answer. And it's everything. It's all him, all the time, everywhere. That's what it is. And I'm trying to tell you, this ain't easy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord. That's why we need the spirit of God to literally break out in our life. Because he, he promised us that we wouldn't be alone in this. And let me ask you this question right here. When you did commit your life to Christ, what were you unwilling? What are you unwilling to give up? Think about that. How many things that we still have back here? We're like, oh, okay, I'll get that one, but that's not even there. Don't even look at that. <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> it's just kind of covered. Leave it alone. <laughs> I'll get to that one thing at a time. Right? What are you unwilling to give? I love how the Apostle Paul he describes his life because he had an amazing life of, 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 of prospering, of, of professionally prospering, relationally prospering, community-wide. He was regarded as a leader of leaders. And he said this in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The word that is actually used in the scripture is dung. You know what I mean? Count that stuff, all right? That's what it is. Is that counted as that? My wife will kill me if I said, what, uh, never mind. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from following the law and making sure all the, you know, everything's checked off, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And here is a, the, this first half of this next verse is so popular, but the second half is hardly ever quoted. The first half of this next verse is so amazingly, you know, I mean, you hear it all the time. I've heard preachers preach on this stuff and just come out and say, oh, to know him, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Yeah, you're all like, you see the next part, right? You see the way they, they never really preach and to share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Following Jesus no matter where he leads. Going where only dead men and women can go. It's pretty, pretty wild. Is that why you're here? Is that it? Is that it? You know what I mean? Is that why you're here, man? Here's what I want to challenge you to. And this is a little line I'm going to share throughout this sermon. It's one of those little lines that we do. And, but a life that is given to Christ must be no less than a life given completely to Christ. All right? Check that out. Look at that for a minute. I gave my life to Jesus today. I got baptized today. I said that prayer. I walked up that aisle. A life given to Christ 
must be no less than a life given completely to Christ. Amen? I'm so glad you agree. Man, this would be really messed up the rest of the sermon. It's really messed up if you didn't agree on that. So, okay, now that we agree, <laughs> praise the Lord, it's going to get crazy. All right, so we're going through the book of Luke, all right, and we're at the end of chapter 9, all right, and so <clears throat> last week, uh, Pastor Justin shared this, this beginning verse of his sermon last week was kind of, was kind of a changing point in, in what was taking place through the book of Luke. Luke has a few sections in it. We have the early section, the pre-birth and birth of Christ and John the Baptist, all right? We have this, that, that, that early ministry of Jesus Christ, all right? And then we have his Galilean ministry, basically, uh, where he's been traveling around up in the Galilean area, around Capernaum, where Peter and all those guys were kicking it, all right? And that's, that's where we been for the past few months and few chapters. And at the end of chapter nine, we see this verse right here, Luke chapter 9, 51. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem. He was on his final journey. In Luke, we come to this area that in Jesus's life where he's on his final journey. All right, we've been doing all these crazy miracles, all this stuff over here. Okay, I, I got to head this way. We got to go to Jerusalem because there's something happening over here that he needs to handle. Because at the end of this road, at the end of this road, all right, that he's beginning here at the end of chapter 9, and it's going to take us all the way through chapter 19, all right? At the end of this road is the cross. It's the cross. It's the suffering and the cross. As Pastor Justin said it last week so, so amazingly, I loved it when he said this. He said, it is time for the gospel to not just be news, be just news, but a reality. Did you get that? It's time for this to be a reality. And so the next nine chapters, which is going to take us about a year to get through. Anyways, we're going to walk with Jesus as he's heading to Jerusalem and all this stuff that is happening along the way. And it's going to be really, really intense. But that's, that's where we're going. Amen? All right, so let's catch up to where we are in Luke chapter 9, 57. And it says, as they were going along the road, they're, they're cruising along the road, all right? By this time, you know, there's, a, there's kind of a huge following. He did a feeding of 5,000 over here, and he, you know, you know, did some really cool miracles over here, demon-possessed, healed, and preaching the gospel now, and this kind of going crazy, and this guy's arms straightened out, and all kinds of stuff, you know, just happening, really, really crazy. People are coming around because they want to see some tricks. Some people are coming around because they totally want to follow Jesus, all right? And so, like, the crowd is going to begin to thin all the way to Jerusalem till actually by the time we get to the cross Jesus is going to find himself alone but right now he's got a crowd and you imagine the crowd it'd be like us man we're just falling around <laughs> what are you going to do next Jesus you know what I mean we're just kind of following around it's like this is kind of cool he's having a great time and one of the guys, man, out of this crowd, this could have been any of us, you know I mean, because many times we say this, and I've done this before as well, you know, just so excited, so happy to be here. I'm just glad they let me in the door. You know what I mean? It's kind of amazing, all right? And when I see him, I said, I will follow you no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, I'm going with you, amen? We agree with that. Some of you guys are not really ready to say amen on that because you kind of think you know where this is going, all right? We will follow you wherever you go, amen? amen. Is, that, is that the basic general, general gist of this audience here? We will follow him wherever he goes, amen? Amen, amen. all right, here we go. I'm glad, I'm glad we are still in agreement. <laughs> it's like when we see all this cool stuff taking place. It's really easy to say something like that, right? 
consider his, his request, man. When we think of follow, all right, I think we were thinking of it in different terms as, as the culture and context of what's taking place right here. When we think of follow, we think it was like a ride along. You know what I mean? I want to I, I get in the car. I want to ride along. You, you guys are all the cool people. I want to go with you guys as are going because this seems like cool stuff is always happening. You know what? And the only struggle is who gets the right shotgun, right? Or who gets to work the stereo? You know what I mean? Can I put some of my music? Jesus is like, hey, I don't know if we're going to listen to that. All right? Anyways, you know, so but we're, we're, that's, that's our biggest struggle. Well, in, the, in this context and in this culture, you know, the phrase, you know, I will follow you had a whole different meaning. You see, as a student would follow a teacher today, all right, as a student would follow a teacher, we're just looking for information that's going to help us get done what we want to get done, right, whether it's personally or professionally. When we follow teachers, when we, you know, follow, we read some books by some certain authors or we follow some YouTube uh, tutorials or whatever the case may be, we're trying to get, done, get, get the information we need to get done the things that we want to get done. That's life. But back in this culture, it was way different. The desire wasn't for information for life. The desire was to follow a teacher. To follow a teacher means that I want to be like that teacher. I want to follow so closely to this teacher that I see how this teacher handles everyday life. I want to think like this teacher. I want to understand scripture like this teacher. I want to speak like this teacher. All right, I want to act like this teacher. I want to create the way that this teacher creates. I want to be like this teacher. I want to become you, basically, is what we're saying. And you would leave everything to follow your teacher. You would leave it all behind. They used to call, there was a phrase for this, and they used to call it rock, walking in your rabbi's dust. In other words, you were following so closely to this particular teacher that the dust that he would kick up from his feet were literally getting all over your feet and your legs because you were just so close of watching this life because you wanted to emulate this life. You wanted to imitate this life. You wanted to be this life. My question is, is this how you want to follow Jesus? We're just saying, I surrender everything because I want to be this close to you. You lead me because I want to be that far. I mean, I want you to look. When you just glance, I'm going to be right there. All right? You just look over your shoulder. Hi, Jesus, right here. Right? That's where I want to be. And Jesus challenged this as he's challenged yours when you said, I will follow you anywhere you go. Well, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. How many times has he challenged this in your life to where you're like, oh, wow, this is lame. You know what I mean? I don't know if I want to do this. Jesus tells him, he, puts, he challenges this guy right with him. He says, you know what, foxes? They have real nice, cozy little holes where they kick it with their family at night. They go in there, it's all warm. The babies are like <clears throat> making those little cute noises. Mama has a piece of flesh that it found and is giving it to their kids. It's really awesome. Birds have these nests. They have this really cool view and little breeze and they got the little eggs. Everything's just beautiful. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is saying, this, 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 this may not be what you think. I mean, if you're here for self-preservation, you're in the wrong place. All right, you're coming here with the wrong mindset. This is not a place of personal comfort and satisfaction, but a place of self-sacrifice. Are you ready to lead where only death leads to life? Are you, are you ready to go where only death leads to life? You see, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, and the next place he's going to lay his head is on a cross, where he said it is finished, and he laid down his head. He breathed his last. Are you ready for that? 
So we live in a culture, man, that is continually telling us to go out and get all the free stuff you can, right? Just go get, if it's free, boom. Well, first of all, we're skeptical. Is it any good? All right. But if it's good, man, if it's free, we're going for it. And because of that mindset, man, it just throws us off here. We just want all the accessories of a Christian life rather than the sacrifice that is required to live this life. We're taught to be takers, man, takers rather than givers. To have everything our way or no way at all. See, we have to understand, man, the man and woman of God needs to understand that this life was never intended to be yours. I know that's not popular, but sometimes the truth is really not that popular. And if you're here for the first time, you're like, oh, man, is this how you guys roll around here? This is hard, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We got to tell the truth, man. Without the truth, we're just living lies, man. I ain't got time for none of that. That's because a life that is given to Christ must be no less than a life given completely to Christ. I love the way that Paul, the Apostle Paul, being dead for 2,000 years, challenged me 27 years ago with a verse that still challenges me today. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, he wasn't there on the cross with Christ. We all know that. History tells us that. That's not what he's saying. Listen as he goes on. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with him. All right, my, 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 my life, is that, that, is that old life is gone. It's no longer mine. My life is no longer my own. It's all his. And this life that you see me living right around, walking around day to day, this day to day life, because you're like, you ain't dead, Paul. You're still alive. As you write in this letter, he says, no, man, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that you see me living now, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, you can own that verse. We, 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 the second part, man, we all own God. He loved me and he gave himself for me. Every one of us. But how have you been crucified with Christ? This verse has been challenging me for 27 years now. And I'm still working on it, man. I'm still working on it because I want to be that guy. And it's, you know, it's only when I submit to God's Holy Spirit that lives actually inside me that allows him to actually live that crucified life from me, and that's what I want, and that's what the world needs, right? That's what my family needs. And so there's another, you know, Jesus says, let's roll with this idea for a minute, all right? He just kind of, so he looks to another in the, in the crowd, and he says, okay, he says, how about you? I want you to follow me. Basically saying, I want you to follow. I know you can do what I can do, all right? I know you can go where I can go. I know that you can do this, man. Follow me. And look what this guy says. All right, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus says, look at I believe you can think like I think. I believe you could understand like I understand. I believe you could talk like I talk. I believe you can be act like I, I act like I act. I believe you live the way I live and create the things that I create. I believe you can do this. Come follow me. And the guy's answer is so common today. Lord, great, word, great way to start the, the answer, right? Lord, you're totally Lord. You're Lord of all. Except me first. Lord, 
me first. Look at the verse he says there. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let's put that up there. I need you guys to take a look at this. This is verse 59. There we go. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, me first. How common is that? I mean, I do that. I do that. <laughs> I shouldn't do that. All right? But how many times do we say, all right, Lord, me first. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. Where you at? He's like, you're not supposed to go first. You can't follow Jesus by saying me first. How do you follow anybody by saying, oh, God, I will follow you. Me first. You ain't following nobody. Lord, you, 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 you know, Lord, me first. Have you noticed that, that, that most everything that we create for his glory begins with me first? At least what we begin to see. I see this all the time. How much of our sacrifices begin with, Lord, me first? How much of our work begins, okay, Lord, but me first? How much of our service begins, okay, Lord, but me first? How much of our, our giving says, okay, wait, 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 let me, me first, hold on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd make sure I'm taken care of, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, how many, of a, how many of it begins? How much of it begins with Lord me first? Okay, this guy wanted to follow Jesus. He goes, okay, you know, he did want to follow. He said, he said, you know, okay, Lord, me first. Let me go first and bury my father. He wanted to follow him, all right, but not just yet. He knew it was good, and he knew that he should follow Jesus, but he wasn't quite ready to make that commitment. Hold on, God. How many times do we not just say me first, but we tell, we tell God, okay, whoa, 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 wait, wait. That sounds really, really good. <laughs> I'd like to get that on paper uh, first. And, but, but also, um, I'm, I'll be right back, right? What's your not just yet right now, Lord? All right, what's your not just yet? What thing are you willing, are you waiting to accomplish, all right? What thing are you waiting to acquire before you're ready to completely follow Jesus? What is it that's holding you back? Because if there's anything there, you cannot call him Lord because he is not Lord when you have to go first. Does that make sense? All right? We don't want that to make sense. <laughs> we really don't want that to make sense, man. But um, it has to make sense. We have to own this. Either we're going to be his church or we're just not. Right? I got two people still tracking with me. All right. You guys stay with me. That'll help me continue to go in this crazy progression of thoughts. And Jesus, in verse 60, said to him, man, check this out. And this is kind of a weird saying because if you look at this, if you think it's kind of heartless, but if we consider the context, it's not. Jesus said, the, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. All right, how's that gonna happen, Jesus? That doesn't even sound right. Well, this is actually kind of an understanding, a general understanding of idioms that they would use back in the day, and basically, he's saying the spiritually dead can bury the physically dead. But I want you to come and wake the dead. Did you recognize that? He says, recognize, man, anybody who is not following Christ is spiritually dead, all right? He's not saying, he's not being heartless and saying, look, we can't take care of our loved ones that passed away, all right? The story is that this guy's, this guy's father had not yet passed away. 
but he still had inheritance to wait on. So he's kind of go back and say, I'm going to be back. I'm just going to wait for my, my dad to pass away so I can get my cash. And you're going to want this money. Jesus is really going to help. All right. And he's like, Jesus is like, you know what? Let the, phys- the spiritually dead uh, bury the physically dead. I want you to come with me to wake the dead. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. What, what passions and what desires are holding you back from fully following Jesus? What passions and desires are holding you back from fully, completely following Jesus? I, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Francis Chan. He writes some pretty killer books. And um, when I was listening, I was old, long years ago, I was listening to him talk about how he went to China and he was visiting the churches in China and he was you know, visiting these underground churches because churches were illegal in China. And so he'd actually visit these underground meetings and where they were just praising God, you know, that they, the night before they just escaped, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the authorities that came in and busted up their church meeting. They literally busted up their church meeting. They were meeting in a, in a, in a, in a place, I don't know if it was a house or what, that, and they came in and they started shooting at these people. And one girl's testimony, she was just thanking the Lord. We thank the Lord for a parking spot, right? This girl was thanking the Lord that she was skinny enough to fit through a hole in the fence, and she made it away. She she didn't get shot. And she was really genuinely happy. And they asked Francis, they said, what are some of the persecutions of the church in America? Francis was like, well, sometimes we have a hard time finding a good church that has childcare." Um, and then there's the ones that just like don't do music. We don't know if we like the music or not. Sometimes it's too loud. Sometimes it's too crazy. And they're like, what? Quit it, man. You're kidding. He's like, no, seriously. We're freaking out about this kind of stuff in America. And they're like, what? And today the churches in China are literally praying for our churches here in America that we would suffer persecution just to understand that proximity with God. Just remember what he, the, the, to know the power of his resurrection. We're all about that, all right? And to share his sufferings and to become like him unto his death. All right, some of you are like, man, is this like the fine print in the Bible? Because I was like reading a lot of good stuff. I like, think are really, really happy. It is happy. It is amazing, man. This is the life we were called to live, man. This is the world-changing life. Yet another said to him, you know what, Lord? I'll follow you, uh, Lord, but, but let me first. Again with the me first. Say farewell to those in my home. Again with the me first. I'm, I'm about this, you know what I mean? Because you know what? Considering where you're actually going is kind of a little crazy because he made it kind of clear a lot of times. Yeah, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. be handed over to the hands of evil men. They're going to kill me. They're going to, you know, <clears throat> I'm going I'm I'm to be crucified. I'm going to be buried, but I'm going to get up again. It's going to be crazy. You should come. Yeah, come hang out. <laughs> and I'm considering where they're going. This is kind of crazy. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he says this. I'll put this quote up there. I'll leave it for a second. All right, he said this, oh, young man, when you're thinking of leaving the world, be afraid of these farewells. They've been the ruin of hundreds of hopeful people. When you're thinking of leaving, the, when you're basically not like leaving, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna leave the world. But when you're thinking of leaving the world behind and following Christ, be very, very careful. Be afraid of these farewells. They have been the ruin of hundreds 
of hopeful people. They, they, they have been almost persuaded. They were getting ready to follow Christ, and, and they've gone to their old companions. Just to give them that one last kiss, that, that one last hand, shake of the hand. And we haven't seen them ever again. I remember when I was going to give my life, uh, just not, I wasn't really giving my life to Christ. I was just trying to get away from my old life. And this life was just consuming me and everybody in it and everybody I cared about. And my wife had the strength and the courage. And, the, and man, just the, she was just, she was like, I'm done. And she left. She's the reason, I told you this before, she's the reason we're all in Arizona, right? She's the one who led our whole family here, right? And, and, and she, she, she left. And I was like, okay, I have to do this too. I don't know where she got the strength. I didn't know she was praying, all right, uh, until later, but I just thought, I'm just going to do this on my own strength. It took me three months to leave the state of California. It took me three months to leave a town, all right? And I, and, and, and I felt like the jerk on the way out, you know what I mean? I the movie, The Jerk. Well, I, was, I don't need it. I'm just going to take this, all right? I don't need it. I should probably bring this with me, all right? And I got, I got this, all right? I'm going to take this, all right? And I just got all this stuff. I had a U-Haul filled with stuff that I don't know where any of it's at now, all right? It took me three months to get out of town and only two weeks to head back. But when I gave my life to Christ, all right, when I gave my life to Christ, it just, when I, I went back, got, in, got crazy again, and then finally I gave my life to Christ, 1995, early 1995, all right? And when, when, I, when I gave my life to Christ, man, all right, by the time, you know, it just took me enough money, time to get some money to get out of town, and I have not looked back since for his glory. Here's what I know. Until we realize our need for Jesus, are you hearing me? Watch this. Until, I'll put this up there. Until we need our, until we realize our need for Jesus, we're not going to reach for him, receive his life, and give him ours. Until we recognize our hunger for Christ, we're not going to reach him, receive his life, or, or even give him ours. And Jesus challenges this guy, man. He says, look it. He said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Now, the imagery is not just who just kind of just grabs a hold of a plow and just, okay, let's do this. That's not the imagery. The wording that he's using here is pretty strong. This idea of putting, they use the same, the same Greek word for the, for, for, to describe waves smashing up against a boat, all right? It's like an all-in. He says whoever who completely throws himself and commits himself to this plow, all right, this kingdom plow, this moving forward, all right, whoever puts his hand to the plow and, and, and then not just looks back, it's not just a glance back, this is actually a whole posture back. So you're trying to hold on, but you're trying to, you're looking back here. And he says, he says, whoever does that is not fit for the kingdom, is not well suited or even usable in the kingdom, all right? You can't go where he's calling you to go while focusing on everywhere that you've been. You understand? And completely desiring for the things that you've had and the places you've been, and you're constantly now you're living dual your dual citizenship. I want to still be a part of this world, but yeah, I know I need to be a part of this kingdom world. All right, There's, she says, just forget it. And now, what he's not telling the guy, and too many people get this twisted, he's not saying to the guy, deny your family. You're, you know, that you're called to care for. Just you know, forget your family. Because he said, I want to go say goodbye to my family. He's not telling them that. I mean, we, we can prove this because in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially the members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse 
than an unbeliever. He's, he's talking about prioritizing your life after him, putting your hands on the plow. You're walking side by side with God. And now the life, that you're, a life of priority follows after him. Jesus is not on your priority list. And I've told you this before. He should not be on your priority list. People, I, Jesus is not my top priority. Really? Yes. He is not my priority. Because if Jesus is on my priority list, then my life is Lord me first. You see, my life he is his. Jesus is my life. And with him, he's given me the priority list. All right? My, my wife first, my children and grandchildren, and then, you know what? Your guys. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Jesus is not speaking about denying your family, wiping on your family, forget your family, you know what I mean? He's not talking about that. You're like, you're like well, there are some scriptures, we'll get to that. There's gonna be some more stuff and there's some more in-depth that we need to get to, but right here he's telling, you know what? Prioritize your life after me. After me, not before me, because if you do it before me, then it's Lord me first, amen? Because a life given to Christ must be no less than a life given completely to Christ. Amen? Everything becomes secondary in life, all right? Being like, you know, everything that comes after. Galatians chapter 6, 14 says, Far be it from me to boast, all right, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, all right, which the world has been crucified, again, that word, to me and I to the world. What are we supposed to do about all that? I think you know, but I have a few things I'm just going to use to hopefully spark some more imagination or whatever, or some understanding. Three things, basically, and you know, I love to give you something to take home, not just a phrase this time. Again, I want to give you a phrase, but then also an action point from that phrase. One action point, two questions, all right? And so the first one is, stop saying, Lord, me first. Stop saying, Lord, me first. Because it does, it's not a true statement. You can't call him Lord and say me first. You're lying to him and you're lying to yourself. And the action point, I'd like you to, try to count how many times today you say, Lord, me first. Or you actually behave in a manner where you're actually going first. I would say count how many times in a week, but you lose count. I know I would. And the reason I want you to do this is to become more aware so that the next week, there's less. And the next week, there's less. So we're truly surrendering all. So we're truly, uh, you know, asking Spirit to lead me. We're truly looking for the Spirit of God to break out. And we're truly willing to just come and just lay it all down for His glory. So stop saying, Lord, me first. Actually, count how many times you do this in a week. Number two, count the cost of fo and follow him anyways. I really want you to take this question home with you. What are you unwilling to give up? What are you unwilling to give up? And finally, prioritize your life after him. Prioritize your life after him. Where in your world today do you need to step back and say, Lord, you first. I've, 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 I've done this in a, 
in a really kind of, I, I do this just, I practice this practically because I have to have things written in crayons for me to understand them. And so a lot of times, man, like especially when I come out here and I'm back here in the green, I'm praying and asking God to lead. And I walk to the door, I'll open the door, I'll say, Lord, you first. I'm not trying to say this is a really cool thing. I just, this is me being, you know, I got to understand like a child so I can get it, you know what I mean, and put it to work. You know, where in your world do you need to say, Lord, you first? Where in your home do you need to say, Lord, you first? Where in your relationship with your spouse do you need to say, Lord, you first? Where in your relationship with your children do you need to say, Lord, you first? Where in your, in your work environment do you need to say, Lord, you first? Where when you're driving down this highway and you're looking, you're saying, man, where are all these people coming from? Lord, you first. Right now, we're, we're getting ready to lead. I, I, I want you to really hear what Jessica has to say. And this next song that we're going to sing, join us in these next, there's, there's, there's some more work that we need to be doing. And you just can't walk out of here and say, wow, okay, no, there's a lot to reflect on right now. And there's more coming next week. We're going to talk next week about, well, about basically the history of our church and how you're involved in that history and the future. And you need to come and check that out. Praise the Lord. Amen.